You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. I hope you guys had a great week and your summer's going good. Good to see everybody. Hope uh, everything's good with you guys. I just came from Fenwick Island. We had a wonderful service there today, uh, nine o'clock uh, service there. It's full of people. Uh, just God's blessing Bayshore. Our Rehoboth campus is doing good. And this wonderful campus here at Millsboro. I love Millsboro. This is my home. Love you guys so much. So glad you're here. Uh, we're in a series called Road Trip and we're talking about stuff that's happening uh, in the Israelites' life after they left Egypt. Egypt, and we're trying to learn some stuff about our journey, our Christian life, how that works, and trying to get that all figured out. Some There's some great stuff in here, and uh, last week we talked about our goal for uh, the month of August is to kind of be a no-complaining month, to create a new habit of not complaining. So we're wearing these white bracelets and at Philippians 4, or Philippians 2, 14 and 15, do everything without grumbling. And I don't know how you've done this week. You know, if you had to change your, uh, you know, your band, how many had to change your band uh, before you came to church this morning? Anybody have to change it before you came to church? Uh, hey, we're, we've had a, it's been really good for me. I've really been, uh, the Lord's been really helping me with that. Wednesday, not a good day. Had to move it a few times on Wednesday, but uh, just learning how not to complain and be a positive person. Uh, and uh, Philippians 2.14 says that we may be lights uh, like stars in the universe. So in a dark world, a negative world, that we're learning to be positive people. So that's part of what we're doing. So today we're going to be looking at uh, a story in the Old Testament, uh, Exodus 16, as we continue our journey, we're going to read verses 1 through 16, uh, Exodus 16, 1 through 16, and here's what it says, uh, the whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, they had, after they'd come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around possum meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out in this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for the day, and this is the way I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, in the, in the evening you will know that the Lord brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you, all, you will also know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While, the Aaron, while Aaron was speaking, the whole assembly and the community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God." 
That evening quail came upon it and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin, flank, thin flakes like the frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. So we have uh, three stories uh, in Exodus, end of chapter 15, chapter 16, first part of chapter 17, deja vu. It's the same story over and over again. We have the children of Israel finding them place of uncomfortableness. They get uncomfortable. Things aren't going the way they want them to go. They begin to grumble. Same thing happens. It starts in chapter uh, 15. Chapter 16, chapter 15, they're like, they're, they, the water's bitter, they're thirsty, and it's the uncomfortableness of life that really exposes who they really are. We really don't know who we are until we are uncomfortable. That's when we really show up, the real us shows up. And so the children of Israel, they, they, they get uncomfortable when they begin to grumble in chapter 15. In chapter 16, they don't have any bread. The provisions are where, uh, have, have kind of given out from Egypt and they're anticipating what's gonna take place in the future. They're, I don't know that they're so much hungry at this point, but they're worried about what they're gonna do when they do get hungry. I think they're worried about what's going to happen when we don't have any bread. You know, sometimes our biggest uh, uh, problems in life are based on anticipation. Anticipation of things that we uh, are expecting to happen. And we don't know how it's going to work out. We don't know what's going to happen. And so we worry and anticipate. And then because of our anxiety about our anticipation, we begin to complain. And that's what's happened here to the children of Israel. You know, it's deja vu over and over again. It's like the uh, uh, Groundhog movie with Bill Murray, you know, waking up in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, you know, February 2nd to the song Sonny and Cher happens day after day after day. And we see in this section of scripture, you know, the Groundhog Day, it's happening over and over again. They're uncomfortable, they complain. They're uncomfortable when they complain. They're uncomfortable when they complain. God is really concerned about the patterns in our life the patterns in our life. Once you become a Christian, what happens to us is we have these ingrained patterns from our childhood, from our life experiences, and it's not so much an act of something that we do wrong, it's these consistent patterns. And if you look at your life, I bet you, like the children of Israel, uncomfortable complain, uncomfortable complain, uncomfortable complain, I bet you see some patterns that keep recycling. Pay attention to the patterns and let the Lord help you with the patterns that you're struggling with. So the Bible says that they, uh, they came from Elim. Some people call it Elam. But Elim uh, was this beautiful place where there were uh, palm trees, there were wells of water, 12 wells of water, 70 palm trees. We don't know how long they stayed there, but it's a beautiful place, a wonderful place. You know, sometimes we are in those great places in life. You ever been in a great place in life? You just feel good. God is with you. He's blessing you. He's giving you a break from the adversity you've been experiencing. I remember uh, Karen and I, when we used to live next door to the church, we lived in that little mobile home for five years when we started here. And when we got our first house, Karen was, I think, 
away with the boys at her mom's house and the bank called on the phone and said, hey, we got our mortgage. We're going to have our first house. We never had a house before. And we were excited about it. I remember it was like uh, I was all by myself and I had this just whelm of peace of how the Lord just blessing me. And I remember going outside with my basketball. I had a basketball goal in the backyard. It was dark. The stars were in the sky. Just me in the summertime. Bouncing my basketball. Just shooting some hoops. And just feeling the peace of the Lord. You know, God's got some good times for us. Good places in our life that we experience. As part of our journey, we have these, these places called a limb where we have the palm trees and there's the water and everything is good and everything's wonderful. And it wasn't on their itinerary. They weren't planning to go to a limb. The Lord led them there. They were on the way to the promised land of Canaan. And they came to this place they had not planned to go. I want you to, to know this. That some of the greatest moments in life are unplanned. Some of the greatest moments in life are not on your schedule. So be flexible sometimes. You're going through life and, you know, you have a detour. And sometimes those detours are some of the best places in life, some of the best experiences. I remember Karen and I were in uh, Phoenix, Arizona a number of years ago for a conference, and we had one day before we had to fly back to Delaware, and we're thinking, hey, Grand Canyon's around here somewhere, isn't it? So uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we drive to the Grand Canyon? Well, you know how far the Grand Canyon is from Phoenix? It's a, it's a ways, 230, 240 miles. So basically, we're going to, you know, drive to the Grand Canyon. It's going to take us four hours to get there, run out and look at the canyon, run back and get in the car and drive back and catch our plane. But on the way, we stopped at Sedona to have lunch. Uh, Sedona, Arizona. Anybody here ever been to Sedona, Arizona? That is one beautiful place. It was so amazing. We said, why don't we just stay here? So we stayed there, had lunch in Sedona, and, uh, you know, it was like a, being in a John Wayne movie, and we're just having a great time. And then there's this beautiful cathedral in the mountains called Holy Cross uh, uh, Cathedral that was built in uh, 1956 by a famous architect. And you can walk up this slope and go to that uh, beautiful cathedral and look over the hills. So it was a beautiful place, beautiful place. Sometimes the greatest moments in life are unplanned. And so they end up in a limb. And we don't know how long they were there. Palm trees, uh, wells of water. They're sitting under the palm trees. They're having a wonderful time. And then they set out on the desert again. And as they set out on the desert again, as the Lord led them uh, back on their path and they began to go in the desert again, as I mentioned, they started to be uh, nervous and anxious about what was going to happen when they ran out of food and they started to get hungry and they grumbled against Moses. And the Bible says the whole, the whole congregation, the whole assembly of the Lord grumbled against Moses. The whole group was in the same situation. They were all experiencing the same thing. They were all experiencing hunger. They were all in the same situation. Here's something, a wonderful principle in the story that we don't want to forget. And that is the principle that none of us are unique. All of us have the same experiences in life. 
When you're suffering and you're struggling and things aren't going good and you're in a a painful place, you know what you do? You have a tendency to think that everybody else's life is wonderful and you are just been singled out by the, the universe to have this horrible life and you begin to think about how bad your life is and you look around and you think my life is worse than everybody else's life. My life is worse than everybody around me. I have unique troubles, and my burden to carry is heavier than anybody else's burden. I want to tell you that that is the way I used to think about life. I used to think about life that way, and here's what I've discovered. That's a very immature way to think about life because everybody has problems. Everybody has difficulty. You know, we all lose loved ones. We all lose people that we love. We all have uh, people in our family that are difficult to get along with. I bet if I ask some of you, is anybody in your family difficult to get along with? I bet there will be some people raise their hand and some people get a little tear and wave their hands as they think about that person in their family. Everybody has stress. Everybody feels a little sad sometimes. You are like everybody else. It says the whole assembly grumbled against Moses because they were all going through the same thing. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know, and I want you to get this in your heart, that your life is like everybody else's life, that you are like everybody else. And when you came to church today, you look around, you look at everybody, and you look at somebody across the, uh, look across the, uh, the aisle there, and you see a couple, and they look so happy, and they're holding hands, and you're thinking to yourself, boy, they got a great marriage. Well, they probably had a fight on the way to church. They're just like you. We are all the same. So we need to kind of like be delivered of this view of our life that our life is harder than everybody else's life. Our life is like everybody else's life. I, uh, I listened to Garrison Keillor. He's a storyteller. He's like 80-some years old now from uh, Minnesota. He was on public radio for a lot of years, and he had uh, uh, Prairie Home Companion, and Garrison Keillor tells these stories about this fictional town called Lake Wobegon. Lake Wobegon is not a real place, and the stories that Garrison Keillor tell are not true stories. But it's, it's, it's very typical of a little town and how people act. And Garrison Keillor tells this one story about there's this phone booth in town. How many remember phone booths? Do you remember phone booths before cell phones? Phone booths. How about that? There's a phone booth on Main Street and Taft Street, he says. And this phone booth just arbitrarily rings when people walk by and people pick up the phone and it has these little messages for them. You know, phone rings and and guy picks it up and the voice says, you know, plaid, green plaid pants don't look that good on you. And uh, there's these little things. And Garrison Keillor is doing this monologue about how dismal March is and how gray it is and how dark it is and how hard it is and how gloomy the month of March is. And he says he's standing by the phone booth and the phone rings and he picks it up and a grovelly voice says, it's not that bad. And besides, you're not the only one. It's not that bad. And besides, you're not the only one. I'm here to tell you, there's some real wisdom in that. That's maturity. 
Maturity is looking at life not like your life is harder than everybody else. Maturity is looking at your life while recognizing you're part of the human family and what you are going through, other people have gone through too. My dad, uh, one of my heroes, of course, my dad, uh, my mom died four years ago uh, last month in July. And my dad was married to my mom for 62 years. And, uh, you know, she went in the ministry with him. They invested in properties together. They, they loved each other. They just uh, had a great relationship. And when my mom died, it was one of the darkest days of my dad's life. He, you know, he went into mourning and it's just very sad. But my dad, he got a hold of the Lord. And... Uh, he did not say, why has the world conspired against me? Why is the universe against me? My dad faced that tragedy like a real man. And how you face tragedy as a real man is you recognize that that's part of life. And I'll call my dad on the phone. And, uh, you know, he can't walk very good right now. He's uh, got some issues. He's got one of those little chairs. You push the button and it kind of stands up for you. And... Um, I'll call him and I'll say, hey, dad, what are you doing? He said, I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. I say, well, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading the book of Matthew in Matthew chapter 19. And we'll talk about it. And my dad got a smile on his face, tells me every time I see him, I miss your mom. I wish your mom were still here. She was a good woman. She always went with me, did whatever I did. She was always at my side but he's got a smile on his face and he's not climbed into some dark depression. He's in the word and he recognizes that his life is like everybody else's life. If we live long enough, all of us are gonna lose a loved one. If we live long enough, all of us are gonna go the same thing. We are all in the same family together. There's nothing unique about your life. The whole Israelite community grumbled against the Lord. They were all going through the same thing. So, just remember, it's not that bad. And besides, you're not the only one. It's not that bad. And besides, you're not the only one. Remember, uh, Rick Warren said, he said, I used to think Rick Warren said this. This is the theology, his theology, what he believes. He said, I used to believe that life was like um, a mountain. You're either on the mountaintop and everything is good or either you're in the valley he said, I used to believe that, you know, it's all, all good or it's all bad. He said, I've come to believe that it's not like that. It's not like sometimes you're on the mountain, sometimes you're in the valley. He said, it's like two railroad rails that run side by side. He said, every single person has some good things going on in their life and some bad things going on in their life at the same time. There's always something to rejoice about. There's always something to thank God for. And there's always something to work on. And I'm here to tell you that everybody in this room has got some good things going on in your life. God's with you. God loves you. Good things are happening. But if I ask you to raise your hand, how many of you got some stuff going on right now? You got a negative rail going on. People would raise their hand and say, you know, Pastor Danny, I've got something. And we are all the same. We're all the same. 
Remember the Jaws movie? You remember Jaws movie? I, re I read this week. It's like, it looked like $14 million or, you know, something like that to make that movie. And it, it's, it's gross like 485 million movies. How many wouldn't even go into water after you saw Jaws, the first one? You know? I wouldn't even take a shower for two weeks. I wouldn't get near water. The music. You got that scene on the orca and the little boat where Quint, played by Robert Shaw, and Matt uh, Hooper, made by Richard, played by Richard Dreyfuss, and they're comparing their scars. And, uh, you know, they each try to outdo each other and say, well, there's a star, scar where I got attacked by a tiger shark. Here's a scar, you know, that happened from here. And Chief Brody looks up, and you know, this little, you know, appendix scar, and he didn't know what to do. We're always comparing our scars. We're always saying, who's got the worst situation? I want to read one scripture before we move on to our next point, and I want you to, I want you to say this with me. It's not that bad. And besides, I'm not the only one. One more time. It's not that bad. And besides, I'm not the only one. Psalm 73 is about this guy named Asaph. Asaph is this, uh, he's a worship leader, like Corey uh, and Pastor Jeremy and Reagan. It's like, he's a worship leader. We know that Asaph was chosen by King David to lead the choirs of Israel in the temple. So this is a spiritual guy. And here's what he writes in Psalm 73, 1 through 17. I'm not going to read all 17 verses, but he says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. That's his, that's his theology, but here's his real life. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. What does that mean? He means I almost lost my faith. Sometimes people in ministry can lose their faith. People that are on the stage. And here he was, he said, my feet had almost slipped. And here's why. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. And when he says all that, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human troubles, and they are not plagued by human ills. It's all an illusion. That's how he's looking at life, but it's not true. It's not true that people that are wicked don't have any trouble. It's not true that people that aren't serving God don't have ills and difficulties. And how he's looking at life is everybody else's life is okay, but my life is not good. It's not that bad. And besides, you're not the only one. So he goes to uh, the children of Israel. They go through the land. They're traveling through the desert. They begin to complain. They begin to be frustrated. And God doesn't, doesn't respond in anger or fire and brimstone. I mean, they're grumbling. They're grumbling and complaining. They came from the Red Sea, seen all these miracles. That was a miracle that just happened a few days before where the water was purified. And they're grumbling again. And God, in his long-suffering and patience, doesn't, you know, smite them in the desert. He sends them bread. He sends them bread from heaven. And they call it manna. Manna is the Hebrew word. Manna is a Hebrew word. Manna 
is Hebrew, and it means, what is it? And they looked at it, what is it? It came down from heaven. And they got up in the morning, and there was this bread, this, like a corner seed, little tiny pieces of uh, bread that was like wafers coated with honey. And it was on the ground, and they had to, you know, they had to get down on their knees to get that bread. They had to get down and, and put it in, in containers and take it back to their tent. And it's a picture that our Christian life is a life of dependence on the Lord. That we depend on the Lord. Every season of our life, when we're young and we're married and, we're, and when we're raising kids and when we got grandkids and when we're getting older, every season of your life, every part of the journey, we have to get down on our knees and gather the strength of the Lord. It says in, uh, when Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, when I pray that, we pray that every night. I get on my knees uh, and pray that beside the bed on one side. Karen's on the other side of the bed. She prays the prayer. We pray the Lord's Prayer together before we get uh, in bed and watch I Love Raymond as we go to sleep. And when I get to that part, give us this day our daily bread, I have to tell you, I have never worried about food in my life. How many have never worried about food? Food is not a problem. The only problem I have with food is too much food, that I eat too much. So when I pray the prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, Lord, I'm not praying, Lord, give me the groceries I need for today. What I'm praying is, Lord, give me the strength I need for today. I'm getting, I'm humbling myself before you and I'm gathering manna on my knees. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your insight. I need your patience. I need your bread today. What I'm facing today, I, Lord, I need your strength. So when you're praying, give us this day our daily bread, you're like the children of Israel traveling across the desert and you're getting you're humbling yourself every day, every part of your journey in life. You're humbling yourself. You're depending on the Lord, and you're saying, Lord, help me. Help me with what I'm facing. Give me wisdom. Give me strength. Give me energy. Some young mothers out there, you know, you're not praying for bread. You're praying for energy. Give me energy, Lord. I got these kids that are sucking my brains out. I got all these kids and all these things I'm going through. I need you to help me. So every day, the Christian life is about dependence upon the Lord, and manna symbolizes our constant dependence on the Lord every day. The manna didn't fly, you know, come on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The manna came on every single day, every single day. They had to get down on their knees and depend upon the strength of the Lord. It says in John chapter 6 that, that Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. So when I go through my day and go through my week, and as you go through your, way, your day and go through your week, you have to get to those every day as a life of dependence where you depend on the Lord. Lord, help me. Give me the energy I need. Lord, I'm grieving because I've lost somebody. Help me to get through this. Lord, I'm going through this. I need your help. There's three, there's three uh, 
areas of dependence where you could depend. You could depend on yourself, yourself. Um, America, uh, America view of life is, hey, you can do it. You, you know, pull up yourself by your bootstraps. You know, you are able to do everything, anything. And you're just, you just, you're an American. You just, you know, put your head down, grit your teeth and go for it. The problem is, is that we are a limited resource. We don't know everything. We don't have all the energy we need. Or you can depend on your friends depend on your friends. Now, I, th I think that living in community and having friends is a really important thing. But here's the thing about friendship. You can make idols out of your friends. And I can tell you this, there'll be some times when your friends will let you down, not because they don't love you, but because they're overwhelmed with their own stuff and they're not able to be there for you. I was playing tennis with a guy this week. He said, um, he said his daughter just went to a Taylor Swift concert. And I guess at Taylor Swift concerts that they give out friendship bracelets. And so if you're at a Taylor Swift concert, you know, you give a bracelet to somebody else and I'm your friend, I'm there for you and all that. Uh, there's, there's no chance I'll ever go to a Taylor Swift concert more than likely. But some people like that and that's all good. But here's the thing about friends. At the end of the day, we have community we have people that support us, but our ultimate dependence has to be on the Lord. We have to say, Lord, even if my friends forsake me, even if my friends are preoccupied with their lives, which makes perfect sense, you will never forsake me. You'll never let me down. You'll never fail me. You are always there. When uh, King David was leading his men, you know, uh, before he became king, when he was running from King Saul, the Bible says that David was, uh, you know, went to war with the Philistines and he ended up, he had not covered his city and uh, the place he lived, Ziklag, and the Amalekites had came and taken all the wives and burned the city. And when he came back, all of David's supporters talked about stoning him, talked about stoning him. And it says as David encouraged himself in the Lord, David encouraged himself in the Lord. So the idea of the manna in the story is, is that wherever you are in your journey, wherever you are in life, you humble yourself. Give me, Lord, this day my daily bread. Give me the energy. Give me the wisdom. Give me the peace. Give me the patience. Give me what I need for what I'm facing. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord is faithful. He will give you what you need when you're facing what you don't want to face. The Lord will help you because he is your sustainer. He is your provider. So they began to uh, grumble, complain. And we see in the story that you know, when, when the Israelites were faced with a, um, a predicament, a dilemma, when they were uncomfortable, their, uh, their default mode was complaining. They would complain. And here's the thing about, uh, you know, when you're in a situation you don't want to be in, and everybody's been there. When you're in a situation you don't want to be in, and they started, they had a negative reaction to the where they didn't want to be. They had a negative reaction to their situation, and they began to complain. And here's the thing that's true. Every single day, 
when we're in a situation that we don't want to be in, when we're facing something we don't want to face, when we're in an uncomfortable situation at work or family, wherever it is, we get that, that moment to choose our response to that situation. We get to choose our response to that situation. Our attitude is something that we have control of. Our attitude is something we have control of. Like this morning when uh, I got ready for church, I uh, walked in the closet and uh, looked in the closet. What am I going to wear today? What am I going to wear today? So I saw this like uh, blue paisley shirt. It's an untucked shirt. I like to wear these untucked shirts. It's got a little emblem there. They're kind of expensive. I'm still making payments on this shirt. This is kind of expensive. But I thought, I think I'm going to wear this shirt today. I'm going to wear this shirt. And I got my, my Levi 506 jeans. There's a stack of them. And this, it was this jeans turn. And uh, put my shoes on. And I decided that this was what I was going to wear today. And uh, I put it on, looked in the mirror, and I said, you are a fine-looking man. <laughs> you are a fine-looking man. I said, Karen, is this a fine-looking man or what? She said, you are a fine-looking man. <laughs> but I chose to put this shirt on. There's a lot of shirts there, and I chose to put this shirt on. I chose to put these jeans on. I chose to put these shoes on. Every single day, we choose the attitude we're going to have. We know what we're facing. We got some stuff going on. We get up and work ain't great. There's stuff at work. There's crazy people at work. There's dysfunctional stuff at work. We get up there. We face that. We have to decide, okay, this day, I'm going to put on a good attitude, or I'm going to put on a bad attitude. Every single one of you right now, every single one of you today, you decided what you were going to wear when you came to church. Nobody uh, forced you to, you know, rain you down, made you wear something. They didn't force you to tie you down, and you're going to wear these green pants. Nobody did that. You chose to put on what you wear, and I can tell a lot of you didn't put a lot of thought into it, but anyhow. <laughs> Say this to me, we choose our attitude for where we are. There's a really, really good thing about, Chuck Swindoll wrote this about attitudes, really, really good stuff. Some of you may have heard it, it's really incredible. And uh, he's, uh, if you don't know who Chuck Swindoll is, he's this like famous preacher. He's a pretty old guy now. Uh, he's down in uh, Texas and he was on the radio. And he wrote this. this is, I want you to listen to this. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes than what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change your past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. 
The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. We are in charge of our attitudes. Church years ago got really big into personality types, uh, temperaments. That came out, I don't know, 40 years ago. You, are you a cleric? Are you a, you know, phlegmatic? Are you a sanguine? Are you a melancholy? And, and uh, that was really helpful to understand our personalities. But you know what happened is some people felt like I'm a melancholy. I'm just a melancholy. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, just be negative. That's who I am. And I feel like that's a real point of bondage. I think we need to become liberated from those labels and begin to have a, a positive attitude. Now, you've heard this before, and I'm ending with this. Uh, you know, if you, there's a thermometer, if there's a thermometer attitude of life. Now, a thermometer, what a thermometer does, a thermometer reflects the environment around it. Like if you set a thermometer outside and it's 80 degrees, the thermometer reflects the environment. So if the environment, a thermometer attitude of life is life is negative, and then I'm going to reflect a negative attitude. But then you can have a thermostat, a thermostat view of life. And a thermostat doesn't reflect the environment. A thermostat changes the environment. The thermostat changes the attitude. And I want you to I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I want the Lord to just comfort you and encourage you as you start this new week. The Lord is with you. The Lord has called you. The Lord is going to provide you. There's bread on the ground for you to gather. There's strength for you to gather. There's wisdom for you to gather. Whatever you need, God has given us everything you need for life and godliness, it says in 2 Peter. The, the provision for where you are in life is right at your feet. And Father, we draw on that. And we thank you, God, as we go through this new week and we've got these white wristbands on our hands. We pray that as we praise you in the uncomfortable moments of life, that you'll give us the strength, you'll give us the wisdom, and that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you've called us. We thank you that the things that we're struggling with, everybody else has those things too, and you're going to help us. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us, and you're with us. And we thank you for that. As your hands are lifted up, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Pray it with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.